On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, Chaz Wheatley shares his story of perseverance going from two years on the shelf to a Division I commitment. Welcome to episode 131 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. It hasn't been an easy road for Chaz Wheatley. The Edmonton area pitcher was off to a flying start in his young baseball career, but then an ulnar nerve injury in the summer of 2018 led to surgery. Add in the COVID-19 pandemic, and it's been a long, long time since he's been on the field for actual game action. The 6'7 right-hander faced the additional challenge of watching other players his age commit to U.S. colleges and universities while he had to wait, hoping someone would take a shot at recruiting him eventually. As it turns out, a few schools had already shown interest, and in December, Wheatley committed to the Division I University of Iowa Hawkeyes. It's been quite the journey for Wheatley, but one he takes in stride. Earlier this week, we chatted with a 19-year-old about his injuries, his comeback, and training with Taylor Burns and the team at Absolute Human Performance. Chaz, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Let's start off talking about that commitment to Iowa first off. What was it that made you decide that that was the place you wanted to go? The biggest thing for me was pitcher development, considering I've missed missed almost two years of throwing. And they have, like, out of all the schools I looked at, by far the best pitcher development. And it really wasn't even close. And they use the way that they do it, it's more of a kind of technology-based, which I love. And they've got Rap Soto. Edutronic and all these high-speed camera uh, kind of materials. And their pitching coach actually is from Alberta. His name's Robin Lund. Hmm. And so I developed a connection with him really quick. And the way that they kind of do everything is they've got like a full full team that analyzes data. And the I, like I wish you could show you the kind of reports, but it's unbelievable. They've got data for literally every aspect of throwing it. Yeah, it was awesome. That's really what turned the table for me. Walk us through that process just in getting a commitment signed. I mean, were there many teams that were interested? Were they the ones that reached out to you? Talk us through how how that all came to be in the first place. Yeah, so my coach, Taylor Burns, he handled most of the reaching out to coaches part of it. But I had I had a lot of other junior college offers and some other big division ones like USC was one of the other big division ones and university of San Francisco. Those were kind of my three schools that I narrowed it down to in the end. Um, but yeah, ultimately chose Iowa. What was it that kind of made you go? This is, this is a good opportunity outside of just the pitching side. Yeah. So the way that I looked at it was USC is in obviously a really tough league, like the PAC 12. That's a big, big conference and big 10 is a big conference too, but I didn't think I was going to develop there as much and maybe get as much playing time as I wanted to. And, um, the other, the other big thing was Iowa. I've actually never been to Iowa. It's one of the States I haven't been to, but I've heard that it's very similar to Alberta. So it wasn't going to be kind of a huge culture shock for me as it would have been if I went to, you know, California, San Francisco, something like that. Mm-hmm. So that was that was another big factor for me. 
Talk us through the decision to go up in NCAA versus going JUCO. You mentioned that there were some some potentials there, but you decided ultimately, hey, I wanted to go to something a little bigger and try to get my feet wet even faster than I'll call it normal route was. Yeah, I actually, like, when I was going through schools, I didn't really, at the start, have a preference between junior college and Division One NCAA. It, it, I didn't really... Like that wasn't a big factor for me. It was more so the development portion. But then I started to think, you know, I want to kind of be at a place for four years. And if I can get a great offer like Iowa, where everything fits for me and I'm there for four years, I thought that would be the best choice. Baseball is obviously one aspect of going to college down in the States. The other happens to be, you know, obviously the schooling part. There's a reason it's called the student athlete versus the athlete students. So what are you hoping to study down there? What are you hoping to accomplish on the schooling side of things? Yeah, I'm taking computer science down there and kind of always had a love for computers and fixing computers and stuff like that. And like career wise, I don't really have a set choice in my mind of what exactly I want to do. So kind of see where it takes me. Kind of doesn't really surprise me when I think about the way that you were talking about the technological side of of the pitching program. And then here you are taking computers as well. It kind of goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You were also named to the Canada-Puerto Rico region all-high school senior first team by Perfect Game recently. Wanted to hear your thoughts on that recognition. It had to be kind of cool to hear your name mentioned amongst uh, a lot of other really talented high school players. Yeah, yeah, that was super cool. And I didn't even really know that was happening or I was even in the mix for that. But yeah, I was was working out and I just got a notification saying I'd been selected along with one of my buddies Andrew Sepchuk that's at Okotoks and mm-hmm. yeah it was awesome what's that mean to you to be able to kind of make a name for yourself so early on in your career and and get people kind of talking and there being a buzz about your name as does that part kind of sink in for you yet yeah yeah it's super cool and I went from you know I missed so much time and I saw all my friends getting this recognition and they were talking to schools and stuff and I was just kind of sitting in the back like watching and it's a lot of time. So now that everything's kind of coming to me, it's it's super exciting. And obviously has to mean a lot to you, given all that you've gone through over the last couple of years here with the injuries and that. Talk us through the injuries, the comeback, not just from a physical perspective, but obviously also from the mental standpoint too. Yeah. So in my grade 10 year, I was playing for the SEBA Cardinals, coached by Taylor Burns. And kind of... Halfway through that year, I started to struggle with elbow kind of soreness. Not nothing super super major where I was like I can't can't play. It was just consistently a little bit sore. And then I was um, at the Canada Cup, the Team Alberta tryouts, and I was I was warming up playing catch, and I just my arm didn't feel perfect. But I, I thought it's just you know one of those days. Arm doesn't feel perfect. It happens to everyone. It's not going to mm-hmm. feel a hundred percent. Um, so I, I went through my warm up. It was, it was okay. Felt okay through my bullpen before felt okay. And then I got into the game and I was kind of trying to, you know, overpower everyone. And I was, I was 15 at this time. And there was, I think it was only like five pitches into my first inning. My, my hand started to go like completely numb, like no finger movement at all. 
had a hard time gripping the ball. And I wasn't very smart at the time, so I just tried to, you know, power through and just keep going. And so I threw one pitch that was probably like 30 feet to the right of the batter's box. And then I thought, you know, it was at that time, my arm was just like throbbing, couldn't move my hand. And I just thought I'd give it one more go. And I just threw it right into the ground the next pitch. So then I, I left the game. I went and got an MRI. And I had a small UCL tear, not a full tear. But my nerve in my elbow, my ulnar nerve was completely cut and pinched mm-hmm. off. So I had no, no movement at all. So I actually, I went to California to see a doctor there. Because here, it, they kind of, the way they were looking at it was... I needed Tommy John, even though my my um, UCL wasn't 100% torn. And I didn't think that that was the actual issue. I thought it was more my hand and my finger movement, my nerves. So I went there, and the doctor said, you do have a partial UCL tear. But the problem is, if you don't fix your nerve, you're not going to move your hand. Mm-hmm. So then we kind of came to the conclusion that I just needed to get the nerve released and so there was a muscle that's actually a vestigial muscle and it's in my elbow and it was pinching off the nerve completely and so they i got the surgery here they took the muscle out and within like four weeks after the surgery i had 100 percent movement on my finger again but then i had to go through the whole you know pitcher elbow recovery which took a long time and then after that I was super, super skinny because I'm 6'6". I haven't grown for five years. I've been 6'6 since I was almost in grade nine. Hmm. And I was like 170 pounds at the time that I got the surgery. And so when I started to rehab and start throwing again, my shoulder kind of couldn't handle how much I was throwing because of how skinny I was. So then I got a little bursitis in my shoulder and I had to go through the whole shoulder rehab. And I had to gain a ton of weight. Like my coach Taylor, he said, you know, you gotta, you gotta gain weight. There's kind of no two ways about it. And he helped me through that. He made me bring two sandwiches to every workout that I went to. <laughs> and within like, well, that, since then, now I'm around 210 pounds. So I've gained a lot, a lot of weight in that time. But it's helped like an astronomical amount. What was that? Uh, rehabilitation like from not just again from the physical standpoint but also the mental side trying to kind of make yourself believe that hey you're not going to watch your arm fall off while you're trying to throw even a short distance yeah the physical part was hard uh, getting the strength back but easily by far it was the mental part for me and I didn't trust my arm I thought you know it's gonna tear again or I didn't I didn't have the full UCL tear. I thought it's going to fully tear. And I had no no confidence in myself throwing. And I actually got, I got the yips pretty bad for about five months, only from 60 feet because I wouldn't throw the ball. I was kind of like trying to baby it in there. And that was, that was the toughest part easily was mentally. And once I got over that and I just had to, you know, trust my arm and whatever happens, happens. I had faith that like I was super strong had a lot of strength and after that it was, it was perfect 
did it kind of teach you a lesson as well? You mentioned how you were kind of trying to throw pitches past guys versus being more methodical. Did you change your mindset after that as well as, hey, I can't just depend on throwing fire. I have to be able to throw some different pitches as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I kind of realized, you know, you can't you can't just throw a fastball down the middle every single time. It's not really going to work for you. I had to trust my other stuff, change up slider and kind of develop those pitches, especially going down to a school like Iowa, Division One school. That's definitely not going to work if you're trying to throw a fastball down the middle every time. What was it like the first time where you actually got to throw say a session in, in the cages and no pain and you didn't really have that devil on the shoulder kind of trying to talk you down from the ledge, so to speak. You, you kind of all of a sudden realized, okay, I can do this and this is going to be the turning point in, in my development. Yeah, it was last year and it was a 80% bullpen. It was my first time throwing off the mound in like a year and a half, two years. I was 80% and I thought, oh, it feels great. My coach had the gun. He wasn't telling me. And then I, I just, everything felt so loose. I felt strong. And then after the, after the pen, I found out that I was sitting like 80, 80 miles an hour at 80% last year. And I just kind of, after that, I thought I'm going to be throwing 100 miles an hour in two months, which didn't happen. But yeah, it felt great. But at the same time, I've seen some of the posts on social media about some of the velocity that you are getting. You're over 90 now. I mean, what's that been like to to really be able to go full steam ahead with not just the training side of it, but also to watch your trajectory and also your dreams and aspirations, so to speak, start to actually come to fruition here? Yeah, it's like the best feeling ever. Once you're 100% back in it, I was stuck at 89.9 miles an hour for about three weeks and I couldn't break the 0.1 gap but like it's it's the best feeling that you can ever have who do you lean on in trying times like that last couple of years where you're dealing with injuries and everything else were there specific people I, I know you mentioned Taylor Burns but anybody else that has really stuck out that has helped you and helped guide you through what would arguably be a really tough situation to be in yeah, Ethan Elias, who is also a pitching coach at AHP with Taylor Burns and Connor Burns, Taylor's brother. And Ethan pitched in the major leagues. He had injuries and stuff. And I kind of thought at the time, you know, no one's no one's gone through what I'm going through. Like, they can't understand like, what it's like. And I realized, actually, probably quite a few people, and Ethan included. Because, you know, they, they helped me mentally. Again, mentally was the hardest part. They helped me mentally through the whole thing. One of the things that Taylor mentioned when I reached out to him to get your number was I, I asked him, what comes to mind when I say Chaz's name? And he says, I think just his perseverance. And he's proud of the, the, the way that you've been able to come back. When you look at what you hear from your coaches about your comeback, and when you think about how far you've come, how proud of you yourself are you that you've been able to do what you've done in such a short amount of time? Yeah, like super, super proud. I was there seven days a week doing the strength portion. I never got to play with my team. I was just kind of kind of grinding out there, trying to get back to 100%. But yeah, it's I've now kind of come to my senses to realize that it was a big deal that I actually did. 
Wanted to go really back in time here. We ask this of a lot of our guests, especially the young athletes, is we know here in Alberta, hockey and football typically get uh, all the bragging rights. And here you are trying to forge a path in baseball. Do you remember the moment where you fell in love with the game? Do you remember when you kind of were first introduced to the game and, and thought, you know what, maybe I want to try to make a go of it here? Yeah, I actually didn't. I wasn't a big baseball player until I was like, Probably 14. I, I played volleyball for most of my life. And I was playing in grade 10. I was playing volleyball and baseball. I was on Team Alberta for volleyball. I'd been selected to kind of go to the junior national team, try out for volleyball. But I never, never really had the love and drive to get better at volleyball. And I was, I was in a weird, weird spot where I was, I'm 6'6", six, six, and I was like one of the smaller guys. So, and I was getting moved around in positions a lot. And I just kind of decided I'm not, not really into volleyball. I love baseball, always have loved baseball. And that's what I want to do. So at 14, you kind of make that switch. And and was it a tough transition to get to that point? You know, it's one thing to be born with a baseball in one hand and a bat in the other. And here you are trying something completely different. Middle of your teenage years, how difficult was that transition? You know, it actually, it actually wasn't that hard because I was playing both and I got the equal amount of exposure to both. And I just, like, I just knew there was something about baseball that I loved way more than volleyball. And I, I was, whenever there'd be a conflict between baseball and volleyball, even though at the time I was probably a lot better at volleyball, I always went to the baseball um, practice or game or whatever it was over the volleyball. Who was it that exposed you to the game first? Was it family? Was it friends? What was it that got you pointed in the direction of baseball? You know, it was probably my dad. My dad played baseball when he was younger, loved baseball, kind of got me into it. And I thought I was going to be a first baseman for the longest time, but it turns out I can't really hit that well. But yeah, that's what, it was probably my dad that got me into it. When you look back on this young career you've had to this point, any particular favorite memories, whether it's favorite games, favorite stops along the way that you've made, moments where you've gone, holy crap, I can't believe I'm doing this uh, in baseball? Yeah. Atlanta, the perfect game in Atlanta, was probably the biggest eye-opener for me. I went there in my grade 10 year before I got all the elbow problems. And I got to pitch against one of the one of the better teams there in the – I guess it was quarterfinals, and it was USA Prime. And that was probably, to this day, the best outing I've ever had in my life. And I was super young at the time. There's a lot of, like, big guys. There's a few guys that were in that tournament. They got drafted. But it kind of kind of opened my eyes to see, like, in Canada, it's, it is not the same as it is there. Like, everyone there is a machine. Does that kind of fuel your fire a little bit more to realize that, hey, if I'm going to try to make a go of this, I've got to go twice as hard as everybody else? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You got you kind of realize you've got to put in kind of double the amount of work that you're putting in right now to try and get to their level. And the, the fact that like in Atlanta and those Southern American states, they're they're out there like 12 months a year. They're outside. And so you don't you don't get that privilege. You're inside for a large portion of the year here and you have to make the best of what you've got. 
Speaking of getting back to it, and I mean, obviously you haven't been able to play with your teammates in, in quite some time here. Have you thought about that moment where you actually get to take part in a game again and actually get a chance to be with your teammates kind of thing? What's that excitement level like for you as you think about how long it's been since you've been able to strap on the cleats? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be the best feeling. It's been a long time since I've actually been a part of an actual baseball team and got to travel with them and stuff. So I'm super excited for when that comes. I mentioned Taylor earlier on and what he had to say about you. So I want to give you a chance to reciprocate it a little bit. When I mention the name Taylor Burns, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, well, I've been with Taylor almost six days a week for four and a bit years training with him. So he's kind of been my my second family. I'm there every day. He was also my club coach. And even when I didn't have a team, I was there training with him. He guided me through rehab. He did all my mechanics, everything, strength, everything. So, yeah, he's been, been the best guy to me. Speaking of AHP, um, I've asked this of a few of the young athletes as well is, I assume that you've had those opportunities where past guys, say an Eric Sabrowski walks through the doors and offers a few tidbits of advice and that kind of thing to say, hey, here's what I did to make it to the next level. Here you are on the cusp of getting to that next level college in the U.S. Think about that opportunity of talking to maybe those 13, 14, 15-year-olds who are just getting started. What kinds of advice would you give for them? The advice I'd give for them is just at times you're you're never going to want to go train or go throw like i've gone through that too you'd rather just kind of hang out but the the feeling of actually getting on the mound and being able to dominate know that like all the work that you put in is going to going to pay off you feel kind of how strong you've gotten that's the best feeling so you just you got to stick with it even though lots of the time you're never going to want to go Final question for you here, Chaz. What does the game of baseball mean to you? Oh, means means everything. It's been my life for four or five years. I've spent every day of my life kind of thinking about it, and you kind of have to you have to fall in love with it. And for me, it was it was easy to fall in love with it. But I guess for some people, it might not be the same. But the the feeling of getting to go to the to the next level and and getting to go to a Division One school and be with those guys, it's the it's the best feeling ever. So, yeah, baseball means everything. Chaz, it's been fantastic to see you coming back the way you have continued success and looking forward to seeing where your career takes you. Thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Chaz Wheatley for joining us this week, and thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you haven't already, make sure to hit the subscribe button on your podcast provider of choice. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And for all of our latest stories online, go to albertadugoutstories.com. Until next time, thanks for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.